let's let's get straight into it, Dave, because times times are wasting. It, is it? Would you say? Because I noticed that this entire episode is about the build-up to something that has yet to occur. It's actually only the, I think, fourth episode um, that doesn't have anyone dying in it. So many characters sort of seem to reach the end of their arc this week. And you're like, oh. I've just realised everybody's always talking about the crypts are safer. Clearly that means they're going to be breached at some point. Wasn't there a whole hoo-ha about getting Ned Stark's bones back to Winterfell? Hello and welcome to Shark Live Royal. This is the second in our series looking at the last uh, series of Game of Thrones. The last season, Dave, is upon us. Last one. This is episode two of six, because after that, it's it's all gone, all done. And this one is called A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. If you want to get your own opinions on Game of Thrones into us, sharkliveroilpodcast at gmo.com is the address. But uh, let's let's get straight into it, Dave, because times times are wasting. It, is it? Would you say? Well... Because c- I noticed that this entire episode is about the build-up to something that has yet to occur. Hmm. <laughs> so t- times are wasting, except in the very real sense that we have an hour to sit around singing songs and looking at the fire. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm building up to this as though I actually found it a bit shy. I didn't. I actually thought this was extraordinarily well done. But, mm. um, but yeah, there was a bit of me where I was like, when we got more than two minutes into it and there were no Walking Dead bad slags, I was like, oh, it's not Walking Dead bad slag week. That's next week. It's prepare for the bad slag. It's actually only the, I think, fourth episode of Game of Thrones. How many have we done how many have they been so far by like about seventy or something? Uh, sixteen I think I think do you know what Matt? This was the sixty ninth episode and there was no sex in it at all. Or certainly no sex position in it at all. I feel they've missed an <laughs> opportunity there. Off brand. Well, it's only of the sixty nine episodes, it's only like the fourth um that doesn't have anyone dying in it. Uh, <laughs> <but> I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that'll be rectified next week. Yeah, um, yeah, on brand. So we kick off with the the new and improved intro, the the cold White Walker tiles are moving onward past Last Hearth. Last Hearth got sort of a a little cameo there. I like how it gets its own little building, even though it's probably been the the shortest, since Sunspear, the the shortest lived um, (laughs) location. But I think we can all agree that it managed in its three scenes to still surpass Sunspear as a place we were all terribly excited to go to. Yeah, uh, we start with the trial of Jamie. Um, this this goes better than than his brother's trial did, um, but at the start, so, sort of not looking good. I mean, he's basically coming up saying, "Yeah, bad news. You're expecting an army. Uh, you've got me, and I know I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I know I'm not the most popular person in the world." Which is saying, "Yeah." Something. Well, and he he doesn't entirely. He, like he, he he's moving towards this like I realise that in order to be a real man I have to tell the truth thing but he doesn't actually say she told me to fuck off and off I fucked you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah. like he doesn't actually say she's betrayed you and I'm not with her anymore he just sort of says yeah but this is more important than family mm. so even <laughs> I do feel that he's rather leaving the door open for himself um, rather than owning the fact that if he goes back to King's Landing, he will be killed. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
Daenerys has kind of walked into this room thinking, right, this is going to this is going to be like that scene out of Blackadder where they sort of just sentence him straight away. Do you know the court martial? This is an open and shut case. And then that's, suddenly, that's completely incredible. The King's <laughs> Landing brother murderer. Yeah. And then suddenly, everyone around her seems to be taking Jamie's side. I mean, Tyrion tries to speak for him, and it, it struck me here just how sort of little. Daenerys listens to Tyrion at the moment after he's made a series of mistakes. Um, He doesn't have much influence with getting Jaime off here. But but Brienne, it's the intervention from Brienne, isn't it, that actually uh, saves him because she convinces Sansa and then Jon backs Sansa and then Daenerys decides, okay, he can stay. Did Did you at any point during this scene think he might get executed? No. I didn't, and I, I, and I, it took me a couple of scenes to realise why I didn't feel that way, and I realised that this is because this episode is an even rarer flower than you would expect in the Game of Thrones universe. It's one of one four out of sixty nine episodes feature nobody dying, um, and I assume one of those was a end of season retrospective documentary episode. <laughs> um, but but this is even rarer. This is the episode where the scriptwriters and the audience are facing in the same direction. Like, they all know what's going to have to happen this episode, and they all know how it's going to go off, and they all know mm. what everybody's hoping for, and it basically all happens. Like, there's a couple of moments where it doesn't, but I found myself bizarrely unsettled by the experience of watching a Game of Thrones episode where I'm thinking, please don't do that, please don't do that, please don't do that. Bloody hell, they haven't done that. Mm. It was, it was, I was nonplussed. How about you? Did you think he was going to go? Um, no, I, I, I was surprised how quickly it was resolved. I thought they might sort of mm. um and hour about this for for some of the episode where mm. you know conversations are held behind closed doors and eventually they decide. But no, it was quite. I, I was quite pleased at how quickly it was. It was sorted. Do you know? It would have felt like milking it. I think, wouldn't it? Like, like, because we all know they're not averse to finding out where the psychodrama levers are and hammering yeah. them with their fists. And it's one of those things about Game of Thrones, which, if you're not careful, become a bit tiresome. And they they just sidestep that completely here. And it's dead funny that I wanted that to happen because Jamie is a horrendous human being who is nonetheless on a redemptive character arc. Hmm. And and as I say that, I realise Jamie is definitely going to die next episode. This episode has been so full of everybody going, isn't Jamie a nice chap, that he is definitely not going to survive contact with the enemy next time. Not a chance. I think the the interesting thing about this episode is you could say that for so many characters. So many characters sort of seem to reach the end of their... Arc the narrative arc. Yeah, and you're like, oh... Yeah. I, I'm I'm worried that quite a lot of these guys are sort of ripe for the chop, if you like. But yeah, this James is cer- well. certainly one of them. Um, are we gonna? Uh, by the way, are we gonna update our betting, our our uh, predictions for who's gonna go? Because I think this episode will change a few of those markers a little bit. Um, I I think you know, we, we can we can make mention of it, but I think these I can see the predictions that we made about the fate of all the characters last week. And they they do look very much set in stone. So okay, think... all right, well there we go. Okay, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is the real quiz. No takes these backsies. Let's what go. Did, what did we say about Jamie? Um, I said die in Brienne's arms, and mm. you said 
survive and take the black. Yeah, Ooh. I'm not having that anymore. After this episode, not a chance. But it's all there. The money is with the bookie. The book is closed. <laughs> the horses are running. There's no taking it back. Um, there's this bit where Bran intervenes and says the things we do for love when um, Jamie's trying to explain that he was sort of fighting for his family. Um, yeah. It's interesting that Bran sort of... He's, he's very restrained here. He puts the brakes on Jamie being too sort of sanctimonious James is saying oh yeah. none of this was you know really my fault and Bran's like by saying that he said hang on a minute you did some bad stuff like the guy sitting here <laughs> for example pushing me out yeah exactly <laughs> but at the same time he doesn't go that far as to he doesn't do a little finger on him he doesn't rat him out and say you push me out the window kill him oh just, do you know yeah. that's true yeah yeah, quite, I, I, quite somehow I had forgotten that actually that's not common knowledge, even though we, the audience, that's one of the main things we've always known about this universe. Yeah. Um, nobody else knows that. And Bran could absolutely write him out um, and chooses not to. It's interesting. He, he did confess it, Jamie, but but he confessed it to Catelyn uh, ages ago. And there's that moment when she said, did you push Bran out of the window? And he just says, yes. And she sort of... She sort of like her face just breaks, and she's just like, "Why? Why did you yeah. do that?" Um, Tell you what, yeah. can I, I just sidebar on that? As we're talking about Catelyn, pour one out. Um, they're <laughs> pour they're one fairly out. clearly. I mean, if they're if they're doing the Lady Stoneheart storyline, that will be a that will be a coup of epic proportions if they manage to bring her in at this point. I don't think they will, no, and that is I a crying shame because Michelle Fairy did a job of work. Mm. Um, this is another humiliating moment for Tyrion, isn't it? He's um, he's got this badly wrong again. There's no Cersei army coming up, um, and <laughs> and he know. vouched for her. And yeah. at that point, I really did feel a bit the like I was more with Sansa in retrospect uh, mm. from last week, where she's like, "I used to think you were the smartest person in the world." Like, mm. yeah, I think like considering him pretty stupid after trusting Cersei is a really really thick. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely the right thing to have done, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that, you know, okay, she's not coming up, and, you know, worst case scenario was that, so fine, we are we're sort of where they were anyway. But this yeah. also, not only is that sort of show tearing up for believing something that wasn't true, but also that whole business going up over the other side of the wall to steal the, the white and losing yeah. a dragon and losing the wall oh, was, God, was for yeah. nothing. It was for nothing. Oh, she's, she's still yeah. down there. Well, they got Jamie. They got they got yeah, one guy. Br- brilliant. I'm, at, I'm with one hand. With one hand, as Daenerys. We've said, literally yeah. got one hand out mm. of that deal. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right, actually, and that is right. And I actually think, I think that could have stood to have been brought out more in this episode mm. a little bit because that's that is pretty fucking bad. Like, there's a <laughs> you know. They're, they they have been able to attack as a result of this thing that we did in order to, this last ditch thing to get Cersei on side and it turns out she was a psychopath the whole time. Um, Daenerys is fast losing patience with Tyrion. She basically, after this, threatens to dismiss him. She's like, I'll find me a hand who can do a better job if you can't. And he sort of turns to Jorah and Varys and says, yep, looks like one of you guys are <laughs> I do. There is a little bit of this, and this obviously comes out far more in the fireside scene later on in this episode. Though, there, I feel like there's such an esprit de corps of just complete 
knackeredness. Like yeah. the feeling of like team spirit that you get if you've played 90 full minutes at full pelt and then 30 minutes extra time and then you're about to go into penalties. Like, even if you don't like your teammates very much, you're still like fucking glad we're in this, eh, lads? You know, like, there's just this... They didn't really feel that as a forlorn moment so much as it was Tyrion going, and then maybe I can drink more. <laughs> uh, I get the sense he's looking forward to our holiday. <laughs> um, then we move on to Arya, sort of checking out Gendry. Gendry's working at the forge. We have this sort of lusty um, viewing from Arya. Um, and then she comes over and asks about the whites and... I quite like this, how she's sort of trying to get a feel for what she's going to end up going up against. Yeah. And she she convinces Gendry that she's, you know, she, she's, she's a good she's, fighter. She's by... got some... Ga- she has game. Like, yeah. I, I do quite like that she has to work a little bit hard at doing that, even though she's palpably a badass, mm-hmm. that he's still very much in this... Uh, they're pretty bad, Arya. I mean, fair play in that. You put hot pie on his ass a couple of times, but really <laughs> not sure that you're qualified. And then she's like, what if, with my eyes closed, I was to carve your name in that beam over there using only throwing knives? <laughs> like, right, yeah, right, yeah, no problem. Can't, brilliant. <laughs> I quite like how she's doing that. She throws these three throwing knives, one after the other. And after the first one, there's a guy like near the pillar, and the first one hits it, and he like, looks over, and then he just sort of edges away. He's <laughs> like, oh, I am out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to me like named characters are flirting in a way not unadjacent to violence, and I, check script, Russell, 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 am bystander number five. <laughs> just going to move this way a little bit. Probably go and talk to my agent to a certain extent. <laughs> he's off to the crypts. The number, it, the number of times they talk about how the crypts are safer. I think he's just that's hilarious. There. <laughs> Down there with, um, with, with the, the, the various uh, doughty kids. Um, <laughs> he's down there. Oh, God, Matt, hang on. I've just realised something. I've just realised. You saying that, everybody's mm. always talking about the crypts are safer. Yeah. Right? Clearly that means they're going to be breached at some point. And wasn't there a whole hoo-ha about getting Ned Stark's bones back to Winterfell? <laughs> Zombie, Zombie Ned, Ned Stark. <laughs> Zombie Ned Stark. It's happening, Matt. It's happening. It's ha- Sean Bean, I bet you, throughout six months last year, was being ferried around Northern Ireland with a hood on the entire time. It's happening. Zombie Ned Stark. Imagine, imagine if that happened next week. <laughs> there has been some genu- genuine, genuine. I know I came across this. Um, I, I, it sort of pops up on my Twitter feed. There has been some talk about that, about how how many times they say it'll be safer in the crypts. Maybe like the dead are all going to sort of rise out of the crypts and kill everyone. I kind of yeah. don't think. I mean, it's an interesting theory, but I also think like mm, I'm not sure if like the the, the it's been proven that the Night King can just raise any old fucker. I think you've got to be killed by a white, like a zombie. And even if not, oh, yeah. it kind of feels like all the attention this this episode is on yeah. the fighters and sort of finishing yeah. off storylines so that so people are sort of ready to be lost as characters. I think a lot of the characters that are going straight to the crypts, like 
Varys and Tyrion and Gilly, yeah. I, I, I kind of get the feeling they are going to survive because there's more story to tell about them. It doesn't feel like that any of them have said, you know, I'm just one day from retirement, like a couple of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of the that, main characters have said. That is that is absolutely true. Um, although, I mean, it does occur to me that it's the the Night's King. The reason that you burn corpses in the north is because the Night King can turn anybody into a white. Like he mm. just, if there's a dead body there that's intact, but I don't know what intact means. So mm. you know, but you know, being a sort of collection of bones. I mean, could he could he do it to Sadavos's fingers, for example? Just four <laughs> little fingers running around, going, "I love you, blue fingernails." Um, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, I don't know, but I think yeah. I think you're you are probably right. Like it, I, what you say makes sense because I don't. I think that would be a really weird curveball to throw, given how much time you've put into setting up the fighters this mm. episode. But I think we all need to get in a headspace where we're ready for, like, more than three or four of our favourite characters to end the next episode as whites. Because if they die, mm. then they're going to get resurrected. Mm. And, you know, I'm I'm not... I mean, I, Zombie, Zombie Ned Stark is an out-there choice, although I do sort of want to know what price I get on that if I go on Betfair right now or something. <laughs> but, but, but equally, like, some of these others... Jamie, Zombie Jamie, by the end of the next episode, I'm sure... I know in the last round of predictions last week, we were both very much looking forward to the uh, zombie breastplate man. Who's he? Bronze Yon. Zombie Bronze Yon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. We had him this episode as well. And uh, my wife was watching him going sort of, how, where do I know him from? And I'm like, he's been every upper class English twit you've ever seen in a Richard Curtis movie. That's where you know him from. No, he's not, not his character, just him. <laughs> yeah so um we, we move on to jamie and bran in the godswood uh jamie saying you know sorry about chucking you out the window <laughs> Still i, I feel right. they could have marked this for slightly more comedy i'm sort of glad they didn't obviously because <laughs> it is fundamentally a dramatic series but there was just like the pause was not quite long enough and i feel like you could have had him just sort of clear his throat a little bit as he thinks through exactly what he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I quite liked how Jamie seemed a bit like uncomfortable throughout all of this, obviously. Bran yeah. basically says what we just alluded to earlier on, you know, I, I didn't tell everyone because you're going to be useful, I think, in the fight. Yeah. Um, and then Jamie says, what about after? And Bran says, what makes you think there'll be an after? And you can take that one of two ways. One, what makes you think we'll win and that yeah. there'll be an after for anybody? Or what makes you think there'll be an after for you? And this What is makes one you of... think you're going to survive? I'm still yeah. telling them, mate. I'm just telling them after you've killed a few, you know, <laughs> zombies. That's it. I want yeah. that sword arm. There's a, I kept having, I kept seeing in the back of my head when I was watching this for each of the characters a little sort of percentage like chances of survival ticking up and down and like live the, betting <laughs> prices during yeah, play <laughs> yeah and the Jamie one I thought at the start of the episode I thought well I think he's still got unfinished business with Cersei I think he'll probably survive and then as it went through as soon as Bran yeah. said this it sort of I saw the little percentage tick down from like seventy five percent survival to like forty three percent survival. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would agree with that very much. I did like his response though because it is an interesting little element of the journey that he's been on, which has been quite complex. Hmm. Um, that 
he's still to a certain extent the brash member of the Kingsguard, the Golden Lion, who mm. was who just never entertained the possibility that he would lose and never yeah. did, right? And you know, he's lost a hand and he's discovered the value of honor and and all of this sort of thing. But um in this I think it's this scene where he's actually actually properly confronts his own mortality. Mm. Like where where he just entertains the possibility that He's about to go into a battle that he might get killed in. Yeah. I'm not sure he's ever done that as a character, you know? Yeah, because when he's talking to Brienne later, he says, I'm not the soldier I was. And I think when when he yeah. was that super talented soldier, you're right, he never for a minute believed that battle was anything other than just a bit of fun for him because he, he'd never get killed. Yeah, well, or an opportunity to prove once again how mighty badass he was and mm. convince his sister to sleep with him again. You know, like a very, he had a very simple set of intents and desires, didn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, and this time there's that genuine doubt, and I think that is one of the things. I, I, Nikolai Costa-Weldau did an absolute job with this character this time out because you've got all of this, all of this stuff bubbling under the surface, all mm. these different things that are going on that he's doing with a single glance or a reaction shot or, or whatever it may be, um, and nailing it all. Dead impressive. Mm. We then move to a little scene with a little reunion of, of Jamie and Tyrion, which is it is quite this is quite cheery and, and nice to see. You know, Tyrion talks about how he believes in Daenerys, but he underestimated Cersei. Uh, <laughs> J- 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 Winning Jamie. understatement of the episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Jamie I think sa- she might be quite intelligent? <laughs> Jamie says he's convinced the baby is real. Um mm. I, I would agree with him. I think that that is. I think she's she is telling the truth about that. It makes yeah. it makes more sense as to why she was fooling around with um, Euron last week. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, if she fooled me too, and Tyrion says this line saying, you know, you you always knew what she was and you loved her anyway, which is yeah. sort of that's an interesting line because it's it's both sort of. It's, it's it's two two things at the same time. On the one hand, he's sort of saying, "Don't feel too bad. You're not as stupid as you say you were." But on the other, he's saying, "You know, all these terrible things that she did, you were complicit in as well, including yeah. obviously how Tyrion was treated." Yeah, absolutely. And I I I really agree that that is really important. Um, and it's true. Like the moment Tyrion said that, I was like, "Yeah, mate. Like, you you know you you were a, a you know a floppy haired bimbo." But you knew there's no way of looking at that woman and not knowing what she's like. Hmm. Um, you know, like the only characters who have been stupid enough to unambiguously actually trust in her intentions have died or have been Sansa Stark and for a long time probably wished they had died. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's who she is. And I like that there's a character that can kind of show Jamie the fact that his journey is still you know, his the the ledger still has a lot of red on it. Mm. Yeah, uh, nice little callback to season one Tyrion, where he um, does his his uh, story about his preferred way to die. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was great. There was a lot of that about this episode, wasn't there? And fair enough, a lot of that sort of the callbacks, but they mm. felt warmer. The callbacks in the first episode, I was there wishing that you were next to me with a flipping the wiki of ice and fire open, <laughs> you know, like supplying footnotes to every other line and significant glance. For some reason, this one, I was much more like, oh yeah, 
Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, this is very satisfying. I don't really know what they did differently, but it worked this time. Hmm. Yeah. I think this one was quite good. It showed how much Tyrion's changed as well. He said this, when he said this the first time in his trial, it was a character who just took nothing seriously, even his own yeah. trial. And he's now really a character that takes everything seriously. He, he, he laughs a lot less, doesn't he? And, and he talks about that later on. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. He, he does have this little whimsical thought about, oh, if I end up a white, I'll head down to King's Landing and hopefully kill Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> it was... I actually was a bit distracted while he was having that thought because there was a sort of reaction shot of Jamie going off the battlements and looking down at Brienne, as it turned out. Mm. But until we saw the shot of her, I thought that it was Bronn turning up because they started talking about dying. And oh. then, and I thought, I thought Bronn had rolled up and I was like, fucking another magic hyperloop journey time from King's Landing to Winter. Fantastic. Great mm. stuff. So I was actually really dumped out in that thing because I was, I was trying to think ahead of the script and I was wrong. Um, <laughs> But you're right, that's a really funny image. Like, zombie Tyrion going, <laughs> Now you can't get me! <laughs> I was distracted on first watch by his, yeah, by Jamie wandering off, because I wondered what it was, and I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite guess, and it turns out it was Brienne. He's uh, yeah. just, uh, just mooning over at her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me go down... <laughs> Figuratively speaking, Figuratively, in yeah. one very specific <laughs> meaning of the word to moon. <laughs> uh, we then move over to Jamie and Brienne. Um, he walks past, Jamie walks past some of the battlements and um, defences that are being made. One of them uh, is being overseen by uh, Grey Worm. And it's this sort of bridge that collapses into sort of uh, <laughs> like barricades, which I thought was quite interesting. I, that was really smart. A little bit neat, and <laughs> sort of like in the way that it collapses, and it, it sort of looked like something that you were supposed to reset in a sort of kid's playset. But also <laughs> a little bit neat in the sense of, I wonder if that will come in handy <laughs> within yeah. the first 20 minutes of the next episode. Yeah, um, Brienne's watching Pod do a bit of training, and he's the he's the master now. And um, he's, I quite liked uh, Emo Pod. He looks quite badass and yeah, he's almost, he's almost I, sort of bored um, with with how rubbish the person's training is. Yeah. he's. I mean, that's just a really nice... I love that they've invested in Pod and showing that classic nightly journey from, you know, Squire to Knight. Mm. And that he's not knighted yet, obviously, but he's, you know, he's a badass now. And previously he was just this sort of faintly gormless kid. And now he sort of knows what he's talking about and he, he's doing his shit. I'm a, a team pod all the way, I tell you, I love that kid. Which obviously means he's going to get killed next time, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, Jamie asks Brienne, uh, can, can I sort of fight with you? She's commanding the left flank, apparently. Mm. Um, she's talking about how there's good ground there and it's a decent place to defend. He sort yeah. of asks to fight alongside her and she sort of doesn't really know what to say. And yeah. she's like, uh, yeah, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> well, no, I actually, I thought that she, she gave a sort of very grave nod in this sort of, I'm not really sure how to deal with the heir to one of the great houses of Westeros saying, I'd like to fight under you. Hmm. Um, but I took that as like the most affirmation she could give in that moment. I'll tell you what yeah. though, Gwendolyn Christie has, uh, gave great grimace face for most of this episode, which really nicely offset what actually happened at the end of it. But yeah. for most yeah. of this, she's just like in this kind of 
she does know what she's doing as a fighter and she she's a badass but there is also this slight sense when she was trying to talk through the tactics of not that she doesn't know what she's doing that nobody could possibly know what they were doing you know that she's mm. kind of she's smart enough to know the enormity of the thing that she's going to try and do and so she's a bit distracted throughout this conversation like Jamie's coming down as you say mooning at her and mm. she's just sort of like um yeah great <laughs> probably going to carry on planning the defense of this city and the world of the living now <laughs> Well, there's also, like, she obviously loves him, and it's like, but she doesn't quite know how to how to sort of deal with that either. So there were these yeah. two sort of professional and personal, like, awkwardness, which is all wrapped up together, which is makes it a really interesting watch, these two. Um, yes, they, that's very true. Together. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's sort of, it's worked through in a in a different way later on as well, as you said. Yes, yeah. Um, we then move to Daenerys. And Sejora, who comes in and goes, Khaleesi. And I was like, yes! <laughs> I'm so glad you were as happy about that as I was. <laughs> I was genuinely... Now just the sound of Ian Glenn raising an eyebrow in that great, <laughs> weathered, craggy bag of skin for a face and yeah. going, Khaleesi. <laughs> and I'm like, yes! Khaleesi. Now we're in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is that is it going to be for the last time i've got a bad feeling about sajora as well throughout this episode he was one of those ones he was one of those ones who was like his survival chances the little percentage in the top corner just kept dropping he gets the he gets the valyrian steel sword off sam and it just had a little uptick tick 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 and then it came down again but yeah, this is every one of these characters just has a sort of Mortal Kombat 3 bar, <laughs> like a Tekken 3 thing of them just getting worn away yeah. until the Night King wins! <laughs> um, so Jorah says, you know, he's, he's coming just to basically bacterian say, stick with him. He's like, he's got to find mind. Um, he's not wrong he's... as well, though, is he? Like, he's, like his, his main virtue is he's good at tactics and terrible at politics. And the way you can tell that is that he gave up the chance to be heir to, you know, a fairly major noble house, hmm. you know, in order to run around with his sword out, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, also so, euphemistically, because it was about, like, this woman yeah, fall for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And, and, um, uh, and, like, he's just not very astute and i think he's just become astute enough to recognize that Tyrion's a shit fighter but a great thinker and sort of dodging that do you know what khaleesi probably don't set your entire kingdom on fire just because you sort of fancy me a little bit (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) um and then he suggests that she goes over to smooth things over with sansa so she goes to do that (laughs) what Um, could possibly go wrong (laughs) Um, Sansa's with Royce as ever she's always with Royce obviously full plate armour for Royce again still going literally everywhere do you think he's got like hot water bottles strapped to the inside of it is that why he's always wearing that bloody because that is some heavy shit and he's not a young man but he's still like if I walk around it or maybe what it is is that he feels like it's one of those ones that's sort of like moulded into the perfect presentation of like perfect abs and ripped pecs (laughs) 
and he's just kind of trying to fill it like a jelly mould. It's just, like a muscle sort of... suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. He's George Michael Bluth. <laughs> <laughs> if he takes it off, he just sort of pours out of it. He's just this yeah. really large man. Yeah. I just, I can't. <laughs> Kate says she reckons he sleeps in it. I, I, I reckon <laughs> that's about right. That's outstanding. <laughs> um, so they, they have this chat and... Daenerys is trying to sort of get Sansa on side, you know, oh, g- girls got to stick together and quite cheery. And Sansa's always a little guarded, but um, but she sort of softens a bit. I think Sansa actually plays this. I think she's sort of, even the bits where she's being more friendly, she's preparing to ask Daenerys, oh, and what about, you know, what about the North afterwards? And that's the moment right. where it all sort of... All ends because yeah. Daenerys's reaction isn't sort of, oh well, you know, we'll see how it goes. She's just straight away pulls her hand away. Well, you know, game I'm, over. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. I'm the fucking Deal. queen. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. are, and you weren't going to get anything else out of Daenerys there, were you at all? So I, I wonder whether this is another political misstep on Sansa's part. Is mm. this a conversation you need to have right now? Mm. Because um, saying it now is a bit like, hey, this is the dramatic culmination of your entire journey to this point. Um, so what if, what if, hear me out, instead of Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, you get six of them. And we just <laughs> have the one that's 60% of the land. And it's a bit nippy sometimes. Maybe yeah. that. It seems like a silly moment to, to raise this. I mean, dramatically, you have to do it because you're going to have, John is definitely going to tell her that fucking stupid shit immediately before they get attacked <laughs> later in the episode <laughs> so yeah. like you said dramatic scripting wise you have to do it but politically it's really dumb have the battle first you know what i mean like and then when everybody's astonished that they've survived if indeed they have everything's going to be up in the air anyway so you know why mm. why spend that capital yeah yeah, it's, you know, when's the best time to ask, I suppose. Or the thing is, this is the difference, isn't it? Sansa isn't trying to pick a time to ask. She's saying, this is how it is. Yeah. And I think that's interesting if you compare what happened last season when the Greyjoys turned up uh, with Daenerys. And, and Daenerys basically said, is there anything you want? And Yara said we'd like our independence and Daenerys was like mm. she was quite warm to it she's like oh well you know that sounds sounds possible oh that's interesting isn't well, that did you remember there that? was also I do remember that and there was quite an interesting flirtatious vibe between them there as well I do wonder mm. if that was slightly it as well mm. um that there was a little bit of a kind of some sound some sound um but also um uh I note that that it was exactly the right thing to say to Yara because now she's she's like fine Iron Islands are yours you know what I mean like mm. for the for the purposes of this battle mm. you know I'm I'm deferring to you and yeah. whereas kind of for the purposes of this battle Sansa's saying you should probably defer to me and I'm you know that's probably not going to go down very well yeah it's interesting after when she sort of she said oh that sounds fair enough with Yara, so Jorah sort of stepped in and was like, "Look, if you start saying that to one person, everyone will demand their independence." And what Daenerys said then was, "She's not demanding it; she's asking for it as a difference." And that's the opposite to what Sansa does here. And I just, I just wonder if that's that, that's part of the issue. That's part yeah. of the problem that they've got here. And 
I don't know. Would it have gone any differently if Sansa said, we'd really like to be independent again, please? Will please, you can we us? be independent? That's Which not of her course, either, is it? No, and it's no. And if you're if you're ruling the North, you don't ask, you mm. tell, and yeah. so there was just no. And that's the whole vibe of the North versus the rest, anyway. Yeah. Um, I will say though that little this little bit here, this is what I'm talking about. Needing like a sort of digitized map in my house whenever I'm watching this stuff, <laughs> so you can be like, recall a conversation in season season seven, episode three, mm. during which Yara said. Because you're right, like all of this perfectly sort of parallels that, and it's very significant that it's the personalities that make it work or not work. And hmm. um, tell you the other thing I found really interesting about this was Daenerys, as far as I could tell, being genuinely open about her feelings for John hmm. and saying, "This is a, um, this is you know." look what happened, you, you know, you think I'm manipulating him. I'm up here with my, I've lost one of my dragons for this, you mm. know. Um, and and that's quite a significant, quite a significant point that I actually quite liked. I thought that's an interesting piece of vulnerability on her part, which Sansa obviously is having none of, because, you know, the milk of human kindness has not proven to be a, a survival strategy for her, and fair enough. <laughs> um, tell you what I was wondering as well about this scene, is that she, she makes this comment, which is, you know, men are very easily manipulated uh, by women. And, I, I you know, I, I, obviously that's a big part of the Game of Thrones universe. But in terms of what's happened to Sansa, when has she seen that? Like, she's seen Cersei do her thing, I suppose. But mm. not... Not really very much. Like, she wasn't party to very much of that, was she? So, and the rest of the time, it's actually been about, you know, the extreme brutality of the men that she's been put alongside in many ways. Yeah, but I think she did, I think she learned, what she learned from Cersei was how to do that. And I think she did that to some extent with Littlefinger. Um, she manipulated him when mm. he, and that was his one yeah. weakness. You know, he was the master manipulator. And she yeah. managed to use how he felt about her to get the upper yeah. hand and sort yeah. of find his blind spot. I think the 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 point sort of the other point you made about that as well with Daenerys saying, "I'm," I, she says, "I'm up here fighting Jon's war." But I was with Sansa with that. I I thought that was a bit rich as well because I thought, well, this isn't real. This isn't sort of some like provincial war that John's having and you've just stepped in to help him yeah. out. This Beaky is sort dubs. of the war. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even if even if she didn't feel anything for John, she it would still be you'd still the right thing to, to do. Come up. Yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's shitting on Cersei for not getting involved. But the yeah. the flip side of that is it's Danny's responsibility to be here regardless of what she feels about John. So that I thought that true. was a bit rich. Yeah, you, that's a really solid point actually. And there's no way she gets to be queen of anywhere if she's not here. Like it is an important strategic. It mm. wasn't that John turned up and went, "See my perfectly crimped hair, my enormous biceps, my <laughs> softly underspoken manner, and the enormous wolf pelt that I've been wearing around my shoulders for the last eight episodes." Follow me, woman. <laughs> Follow me. Twinkle, twinkle. Because he doesn't Lid. do any of that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He turns up and goes, "We're in trouble." I mean, you can not come if you want, but you'll not have a kingdom left at the end of it. And so she follows him, and rightly yeah. so. 
Now, I will agree with her as far as losing it, as you said, losing a dragon for John. Yeah, she didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> if she, if the, the sort of cold, calculating, no feelings right move would be get up to Winterfell, say, I'm the boss, and get ready to fight. Just, just leave John on his crazy errand and just leave him north of the wall. So she did sort of, I suppose she sacrificed a lot for him to save that small group. But um, yeah. But yeah. the sort of the wider the wider war, yeah, come on. You you should be yeah. fighting this anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um We have this oh, Theon. He's back. Guess Theon. who's back? He uh, he's <laughs> back I'm here, baby, and I'm here to help. Yeah. Uh, again, this is he arrives and Daenerys is a little taken aback uh, as Sansa runs over and hugs him. Yeah. And um I, th- I thought that was quite an interesting, again, just watching the power dynamic play out because the Greyjoys are these people who are sort of have turned up on Daenerys' doorstep and pledged loyalty to her. And yeah. then Theon turns up in Winterfell and he's sort of, he's obviously really tight with Sansa, who she's not sure about. It's yeah. it's interesting that even as they're preparing for this massive battle against the, the dead... Daenerys is seeing various bits of her power structure undermined. Like Sansa, yeah. the North isn't as on board as she would have hoped. Um, th- the Greyjoys maybe have split loyalties because they've got this thing with the Starks as well. Yeah. Um, some of her advisors, like Tyrion, she's not sure about. It's just um, it shows that she's dealing with some sort of vulnerabilities within her own within her own camp, and that comes to a head obviously just before the battle when she speaks to Jon. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And that is definitely one of the sort of drivers of tension in this episode. I thought the reunion between um, uh, between Theon and Sansa was really, like, incredibly sweet and really, really beautiful. Mm. Um, and, um, uh, and it was very much... I don't think Theon's long for this world either because it is full circle for him. It's coming mm. back to defend Winterfell rather than betray it to fight with the Starks rather than trying to usurp them, um, you know, to be selfless rather than selfish, but then also to be brave rather than cowardly, you know, to still be Theon rather than Reek. And, um, like, and like all of those narrative threads are tied up in the gratitude of a now very powerful woman for the fact that he helped her when it was his job to abuse her and he refused to with mm. will willpower we know not from where you know like this this utterly selfless act that he committed um four series ago is now driving you know his status in this environment and mm. his sense of redemption and that means he is dead in the next hour and a half of tv time theon will be dead um but i still found this scene really moving yeah, I, I I worry for Theon as well. Yeah, his his odds are getting quite short for a for a yeah. next episode death, um, yeah. especially when he volunteers later on for the Protect Bran part of the mission. I, oh yeah, and that's the other bit, isn't it? You know, I tried to take this castle from you. Now let me protect you inside this castle. Bloody hell, just put a red shirt on and get on with it, Theon. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's not. It's it's, it's going to happen. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, we move on to Davos's soup kitchen. He's uh, handing out the. He's giving out the soup, encouraging some non-soldiers to be brave. Oh, he's, um, he's he's doing type A Sunderland grandma grandpa, and <laughs> I am on board for that character at this point in the in the story. That is a mood I needed. 
Yeah. There's this little girl who turns up and says, I want to be a fighter. And he's like, you protect people in the crypts, where it'll be safe. It's like, gee, you stop hammering this safe crypts thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to go well. It'll be, it, there'll be some secret passage or some shit, won't there? There'll be one white that falls down a hole during a battle and finds himself inside the crypt or something. I think, so, I think something's going to kick off down there. I do. But yeah. I, I don't think it'll be quite the, the dead rise from the graves stuff that a couple of There's people... There's a lot of graves suggested. down there, though, Matt. And then a lot of dead people outside. And, you know, weaponized dead. That mm. is the sort of subtitle of the of the this series. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I don't know. We've also got pregnant Gilly showing up. I mean, she. I, 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 it's not it's not sort of show stuff, but and it might actually this might actually even be true. But yeah. I thought. I mean, it's the first thing that um, we said when we saw this was like, is the actress playing Gilly pregnant, yeah. or is it like we, show that is exactly pregnant? the same thing as we said? Like yeah. it was like. Are you? Because that would be extremely consistent with the character, I think. But also, mm. I feel like they probably would have made more out of Sam potentially <laughs> yeah. being a father, given that he's outstanding on the battlements. Given it, yeah. oh, that's in, in a bit is great as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I can't work out if that's because the I forget the actress's name. Pregnant. If she's yeah. yeah, exactly. If she's pregnant, then wonderful. Uh, yeah. Or if the character's pregnant, or if she's not, then apologies. Um, but it just it did look, yeah, it did it's, look a little bit it's, like it's the oldest faux pas in the book and I think <laughs> we might have committed it <laughs> um, but yeah so she says you know defend the crypt something that um, that Kate picked out here both the, uh, the 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 frightened I'm not a soldier guy and uh, the little girl get mm. the soup and they don't pick up a bread roll and she was like, what's going on here? Who's not having what's... the carbs? At the, yeah, before, a before you stay up all night and have a battle, what is the matter with you? It looks like good bread as well. It looks tasty. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's cracking. Anyway, everyone's 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 on some kind of low-carb diet at Winterfell, it turns out. <laughs> the Atkins diet in the middle of winter when you're about to go into battle and somebody's just been walking around going, no, seriously, I've got these supplements, honestly. You buy them from me and then you can sell them to your mates. We'll all get rich. It'll be fantastic. Just no carbs, all right? Bread roll? Is it whole grain? No, it's white. Oh, no, thank you. Get it out. Get it out now. No, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, Tolmond, Dolores Ed and Beric show up. They've just Wait. got back. It's, it's quite sweet how John sees Dolores Ed arrive and sort of greets Sam. And he goes mm. over to see him and then Tolman practically sort of rugby tackles him. Um, oh, it's so fucking good, isn't it? <laughs> Tormund in this episode is MVP. Absolute <laughs> MVP, that fella. Yeah. Um, um, and he, but he has... This this is the sort of drop the bomb news here as well. Uh, yeah. John's like, how long have we got? And he, it's, it's literally dusk because he's asking him. And he's like, yeah. they're going to be here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and the the whole exchange that then proceeds between John and Dolores Ed and um, Sam up on the mm. battlements yeah. is fantastic. But he's absolutely touched by that sense of impending doom. Mm. Um, and the fact, as you say, that they are the three, well, John and John and thinking there's one member of the Night's Watch left, basically, and it's Dolores <laughs> Ed. And he, as you say, is the 999th uh, Lord 
Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. So I'm not... (laughs) He is toast. And I think everybody sort of knows it standing up there and, like, chucking these little bits of banter back and forth. But it was was fantastic. I mean, this is is what... This this episode is really great for the sense of, like, just, you know, the the pain train's coming and everyone's preparing for it. And you're having these, like... You really got to get this sense of, like, sort of bittersweetness of just these last moments of everyone together. And at the same time, with the exception of a few characters who you think almost certainly have to sort of survive to the end, so you're John and Daenerys, I'd expect. Yeah. The the vast majority of the rest of them, yeah, this episode is, is sort of has presented them in such a way that they really are sort of, you can see them dying next week. And yeah. you could say they're toast for almost... I mean, Beric's another one. Feels like he's yeah. like... What, what, there's a couple of nice little moments for him. Tormund, you say, like, the sort of MVP award for this uh, for this week. But uh, it kind of feels like he's like... If he died next week, I'd be like, well, yeah, it kind of feels yeah. about right. No, I it's agree just, with you, yeah. Yeah, and but I think they have to bring us to that point with all of these characters because mm-hmm. it has to feel like the battle that we've been waiting for eighty hours of seventy hours of TV to get, mm-hmm. and so that you, I think you have to do that whether that's going to happen or not in mm-hmm. the in the next episode. Clearly, it will because this is Game of Thrones and everybody dies. But um, uh, but I I really loved the longer this episode went on. I loved that they they have. They made a decision to take the time to have these characters actually land somewhere. Like there's a mm. lot of third acts happening in individual exchanges and conversations and one-liners and, and the rest of it in this episode. And the thing is that Game of Thrones to this point has been six series of second act of, and then this shit happened, and then further shit happened, and then this shit happened. And I ragged on it pretty bad in the book because I got really pissed with Arya Stark goes for a walk in Westeros. And I'm, mm. I, I'm, I still think that storyline just goes on for far, like, you know, it's needlessly convoluted. Um, and I'm not sure how it's going to pay off. But this is what long-form TV is for, is taking an hour to do the pre-battle. Mm. And, like, you know, not, you know, now she's over here, now she's over there, where the hell are they? God, that happened. Oh, bloody hell, is she still alive? You know, like, all, all like which is which has characterised my increasing sense of frustration over the last couple of uh, series of, of Game of Thrones. But this is deep and like really getting into the character and really giving them landing points and some of them will live and some of them will die but all of them I feel have been brought to a place that's quite complete and Mm. I don't for once that's not just the storytellers saying and now we're going to kill them some Mm. of them are going to die but they feel three-dimensional in this bit in a way that I've been waiting for them to get for a long time in this narrative and I, I i i thought it was i thought it was superb really great the only time they've done it before is the blackwater when they put 15 minutes into before the battle and yeah. i thought that was great as well and you got that same sense of preparation and fear and uh, brilliant then we've into this short montage as everyone's getting ready and we go over the sort of very rough battle plan they've got the sort of map out and a few people are standing around the table talking about it um mm. bran gives us some information that we get for the first time which is one of the sort of key objectives for the night king 
is find mm. the three-eyed raven and kill him, as I find Bran and kill him, because yeah. he's the memory of of what's gone before. So that's yeah. why he wants him dead. So they're going to try and use this to lure the knights king in, and then yeah. attack. The, hope that they, they see that as the key: kill the knights king and kind of like a vampire. You solve a lot of your problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You cut off the head and the body crumbles. And we have seen that, haven't we? Where they killed mm. one of the... Like, that's been... That's verified. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought that was... I mean, obviously, it's going to have me on the edge of my seat in a way that's not at all healthy next week. Mm. Um, uh, but I really liked uh, Sam's little speech here about... he. Sam gets it immediately. He says, yeah, without our history, we're not really humans. You know, mm. without the stories that we know about ourselves, we're something less than we otherwise would be. And obviously mm. I'm sympathetic to that because I love history and I'm a historian. But I also think it's really profound statement about what civilization is because Game of Thrones sort of tells you that what civilization is, is how many people you kill and how many people agree to do what they've been told before you kill them. And that that's what it is. And there's some fucking on the way. And, and then here is this actual pitch for yeah but we're not really human unless you know we're not really there unless we are telling our story to each other you know written oral tradition whatever it is i found that actually really 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 powerful um mm. and, and, and it, it was so powerful that it even justified the fact that bran is this you know potentially very dangerous intellectual superman character that can just blow all of your plot out of the water by going actually eight thousand years ago this is what happened Mm. Um, I, I assume next next stop on the on the Night King's march will be Old Town if he gets rid of Bran. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah get rid of Bran, set Old Town on fire, and everybody's just back to whatever. Job you know. done. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so Bran's going to stay in the Godswood, uh, defended by Theon and the Ironborn, while they wait for the Night King to go for them. Everyone else is basically just going to try and hold off the the armies for as long as they can. Mm. Um, Tyrion's told to go to the crypt where it's safest. Um, the number of times it's said, uh, and, and they, they're going to sort of keep the they're going to keep the dragons in reserve, waiting for um, to sort of to chase the Night King. This is weird. This is kind of interesting how they <laughs> they sort of talk about the dark, the the dead undead dragon without really yeah. talking about it. Like they they all tacitly accept the Night King is going to have a quick getaway, so we're going to be able to need to chase him. But no one really yeah. talks about what he's getting away on and what it could do. I think probably because <laughs> no one wants to really think about it. But no, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised that isn't that isn't sort of addressed at this point because yeah. um, they know, they know that it exists, but no one wants to talk about it. Yeah, it's weird, that isn't it? I almost got the feeling that they they sort of didn't want to suggest that there'd be loads of dragon fighting next time because they spent it all on a whole new world romance <laughs> flying sequence in the last episode. Like there's once you started realizing how much it costs them to run the dragons and ghost, the direwolves as well. You just, whenever they do work, you're not just seeing the story. You're also going, Oh, I wonder why this was worth spending the money on. You know did what I mean? S- did you see that, that little um, thing on, there was, the, there was a juxtaposition of Bran and the dragons last week, where it's like that quote of Bran saying, we don't have time for any of this, the Night King's on the way, and it's like five minutes later, oh, new world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? And um, I, I, I tell you, did you notice this time, Ghost, Ghost is there, uh, Ghost yeah, is with yeah. John, 
but just in the background doing something in extremely low lighting conditions and moving a very very tiny amount which is to say <laughs> how much have we got left in the budget 10 grand can we get 10 grand's worth of ghost yeah. no don't have him do anything that'll blow the budget entirely just have him standing there as sort of cotton wall buff puff yeah. in the sort of in the in the gloaming yeah. I <laughs> but he was there that. matt ghost lives I also saw a good joke on Twitter. What, what, what do dragons eat? Ghost CGI budget. Hey! <laughs> so, oh, and it's true. So yeah, everybody sort of heads off after that. John very abruptly, without even looking at it, his aunt, Daenerys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Theon sort of pulls uh, sorry, uh, Tyrion pulls up a chair next to Bran and says, right, tell me about your story. I'm interested to hear about it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then Sorry, cut yeah. two. We never get to hear it. I'd be <laughs> really interested to know how Theon tells his own story. Hey, Bran. And yeah, yeah, sh- yeah. Bran. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what would he say about it? Mm. You know, like he, he's been completely unreflective, or all the ways he's been reflective have been to do with history and ancient history, rather than I used yeah. to be Bran Stark. Some shit went down. There was a door. Don't ask. And now yeah. I'm here. You know, like. <laughs> What else would he say? Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a master storyteller. And, um, yeah, that's true. It would all be completely monotonic. Yeah. And he, it's he very said, important. Yeah. He, he says to Tyrion, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a long, long story. And Tyrion's saying, oh, we've got all night in the castle. And then, yeah, a couple of minutes later, Tyrion's with Jamie. So I could just imagine him like saying, we've got all night. And Bran starts. And after about five minutes, Tyrion's just like, Bran, could like, like, it could just, just stop you there? Uh, this is far too boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh God, no. Do you know what happened, Matt? Do you know what he's done? He started from the very beginning of time when what Tyrion really <laughs> wants to know is what started happening like six years ago or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and, and I note a parallel with the author of this series who has written an entire 2,000-page prehistory of Westeros <laughs> when the whole world is just waiting for this story to finish. <laughs> like that's it he's gone full George R.R. R. Martin that's why we didn't get that scene is because it would be Bran sitting there going I've often thought it would be fascinating to think about the first ever Targaryen kings wait for it though when they were toddlers what kind of games did they play and how could we do that in a perfectly illustrated trade paperback of 2000 pages that's it that's what Bran was doing next to the fireplace and I for one am happy we skipped it yeah I reckon about 10 minutes in Tyrion sort of climbing up the walls but too polite to leave as <laughs> just gets it. And then, and then that's of, where he of, starts <laughs> thinking I wish I drank more these days yeah and then sort of Jamie t- just sort of walks in oh Jamie there's a somewhere I need to be right now is it yeah, really do you urgent? need me <laughs> yeah I know I'll I don't know yeah absolutely I'll come it is yeah don't yeah. worry about it I'm with you yeah sorry Brand. love to stick around I know I said it got all night <laughs> this is really Fat interesting really Brand. yeah Let's talk really about it tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, can't wait After to hear the army of the Can't dead. wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. So Bran starts his long tail. We never hear ooh, it. I, I assume ooh. Tyrion doesn't hear a great deal. Um, Alternative theory. Sorry, I've just, I've just realised this. What if what happens off camera there is that Tyrion is told that he is in fact a Targaryen? What if Bran continues his uh, truth bomb approach? To this, uh, to this story. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, he's he's taking it sort of remarkably in his remarkably well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. We have a uh, Grey Worm and Miss Endy next uh, talking about. Let's go to North once this is all over. 
Um, I mean, this is Grey Worm's on one day from retirement speech, isn't it? Oh, I was, God, it I is, saw his it? odds just crash. Yeah, just absolutely <laughs> crash and burn. I the love that his idea of retiring to the allotment, though, is saying, I command a body of armed soldiers, the like of which the world has never seen, and basically, let's live together and we'll just put them up in the garden. Like, yeah. that's that's his idea of, like, the peaceful retirement, is having, not in any sense demobilising his soldiers, but instead just taking them somewhere where they probably won't have to fight very much. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was a tough watch this book because I was thinking, oh man, He's I just, done. I really fear for this. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that there's sort of a passionate sort of goodbye kiss as well later on. Yeah, and it was like, yeah. oh, this isn't. I don't think this is going to end well for these. Game but, over, man. It, yeah, Game over. It'd be brilliant if it is okay, but I just don't think that's the story that oh, we're yeah. getting. No, um, I agree with that, and that is sad because these two are fantastic. Mm. Uh, then we have that chat on top of the wall, as you said, with uh, Sam, John, Dolores, Ed, and Ghost. Oh, Ghost so bloody say good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no budget for it, Matt. That's the beef that you need to have, not who's in charge of the Seven Kingdoms. Your mm. dragons mean that I haven't seen my dog for four series now. <laughs> Come on, he's fantastic. He does yeah. tricks. He shakes hands. You've got to, you've got to let him, let him, let him shine. I love, I love the, the banter between these guys. I like how um, there's there's loads of nice little little moments here, but one of the ones that stood out for me was when Sam's sort of like defended himself and going yeah. through the list of all the badass things he's done. Yeah, one of the things he places up there is stealing books from the. Yeah, cinema. I love that. That was so good because <laughs> he's still himself. He is this guy who killed the white by himself, survived the fist of the first men, and there's a good amount of this in this episode. By the way, people listing the amazing shit that's happened to them in the course of the series, which. Which is really great because you you really like if you've watched it all you're like oh yeah that is really amazing you know this you've kind of watched legends appear before your eyes and it's a really interesting exercise in how that happens but yeah i love that sam's idea of his legend like probably the third most impressive thing i've done after meeting and surviving an encounter with the undead twice is uh stole some books found some stuff out i did some badass archive research and nobody can take that away from me <laughs> We then go over to Tyrion and Jamie sitting by the fire. Um, I thought something that struck me here was the armour that Jamie's wearing. He's had mm. such flamboyant when he was that he's been in the Kingsguard, he's been the sort of top guy at the Lannisters, and he's always had this amazing, gorgeous looking armour. And now it's very sort of, it looks like he's just been kitted out with some armour from the North almost. It looks similar to what Rob Stark used to wear. Um, oh, that right. kind oh, I didn't of notice that. Very functional sort of it, and it, it it felt like it spoke quite quite well to his changing character the, the flamboyant side of him has really yeah. been burned away hasn't it and and you're left yeah. with something that's much more sort of genuine i suppose but yeah. uh, also much less flashy <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah very much yeah it's the armor is the window on the soul for a character like jamie and this is a little bit tarnished hmm. but more fundamentally honest and functional yeah again it's a nice um just just signpost as this this discussion as to how far these two characters have come um, and how much mm. they've changed yeah um a yeah. lot of these discussions are like that when Arya sits down with the hound later like yeah. she says you know he says you you never used to shut up and now you're not saying anything and she says i've changed and then she yeah. asks him why he's fighting for other people and it's obvious he's changed and everyone's sort of is just exploring how they've got to this point, aren't they? This is what makes the episode. This power makes the episode so great. It's got a very clear 
purpose of what it's trying to tell you. Yeah, 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 very much. And and again, it's you know, if you did this every episode, it would be cheesy. Obviously, it would be that bit in American Pie where everybody goes the next step. But you've earned it over you know nearly a literal week's worth of TV. Yeah, um, and it is quite again, it's quite a moving moment because you do remember them very clearly and how well they were set up back then as you know this kind of preening, self-important narcissist and this you know, barely functional, you know, kind of Bernard Black character who drinks too much and reads books and does nothing else. Mm. Um, And what they've come to now is deeper than that, even if it is more wounded than that. Mm. And I find that quite significant. Yeah. Brian and Pod turn up. Um, Pod gets given a, basically is allowed to have half a cup of wine and Tyrion, like a sort of, you know, older brother, sort of like <laughs> yeah, pours that's him exactly, it, isn't it? Yeah, Dad, I'll pour that for him. Don't worry about that. Here we go. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. both sweet and also because I'm already sort of a bit like worried that I, I also thought, oh, is Tyrion just sort of got Pod killed here? Is he going to be like slower on the battlefield because of this? But hopefully, Maybe. that won't be the case. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it will, but only because you'd really struggle to show that. You know what I mean? Like acting <laughs> slightly more drunk than you should be in the middle of a battle scene in Game of Thrones probably isn't going to come off in the in the edit. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and because Pod's going to end up on the Iron Throne. Absolutely, because Pod for the Iron Throne. Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I like Davos's arrival. He sort of strides in and they offer him a drink and he goes, didn't come here for that, come here for this. And stands by <laughs> he is the best. Honestly, there's, these characters have so much affection for now precisely because they are like, they have their no-nonsense things they want to do. <laughs> and uh, and and Sir Davos, as a former smuggler, right, as a man that knows what it's like to be wet and cold for weeks at a time, is like, where there is a fireplace, I will exchange no pleasantries before standing immediately next to it. And I just say, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, then Tormund shows up, and after all these <laughs> other characters have been great, he sort of steals the scene by... <laughs> he, sort of, he goes straight over to Brienne. Could be our last night on Earth. Um, and then moves into explaining how he got the name Giant Spain. I loved that they put this in. <laughs> I love that they put this in. I was sitting here going, oh, yeah, this is... Because that was one of, I remember having just thinking that this was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Like, the most wildling idea I'd ever come across <laughs> is this. This idea. And I'm so happy that it made it into the TV canon version of this character as well. <laughs> and he finishes it off with downing his massive drink and half of it goes down him it just reminded me of that have you ever seen that episode of Friends where Joey drinks a pint like a four pint of milk in 30 seconds it just all goes down <laughs> just him. All it's over basically him. that <laughs> yeah it's great only even better because he's not drinking from like a milk bottle he's drinking from an enormous horn by the way what animal was that horn from I have questions. It is the size of that man's torso, and that man is a Viking. What animal has that on its head? And and if if it is a unicorn, as it appears to be, why haven't we had the CGI budget spent on that? Uh, I think military I unicorns. What is it? I, th- I think it's a woolly mammoth tusk. Because uh, we had those giants riding mammoths. We did. I'd completely mm. forgotten that. God, I tell you what, Matt's bunker full of fantastic plot detail <laughs> scores again there uh we move on to that Arya and the hound 
scene that I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's nice where like she says you never fought you never fight for anyone other than yourself, and he says mm. I fought for you, and and yeah. that just reminds me that we watched one of the episodes we watched in the sort of recap for this was oh, that yeah. bit where he fights Brienne, and it's yeah. great because she says you know are you going to defend her, and he's like yeah I am, and he's just sort of, that's how it starts. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, it's the moment where he sort of changes a little bit again. Yeah, um, and, and, and like to it. it wouldn't be true to him or to who Arya has become that if there was any hugging and learning in this scene. <laughs> yeah. But I did still find the way this played out a little bit weird or a little bit mm. unsatisfying because they're both ultimately more tied to their kind of brutalization than they are to what they experienced together, which feels a bit weird because what they experienced together was a really transformative experience for both of them. But mm. in this scene, that that kind of tries to happen, but then she just ends up walking off going, I'm not hanging out. I could die tonight. I'm not hanging out with yous. And yeah. obviously she does that because she wants to go and get laid. Fair enough. But, um, uh, but it was quite an interesting... Like, there was more character depth out on mm. the battlements, I thought, than... <laughs> downstairs going oi blacksmith get him off <laughs> yeah before she leaves Beric shows up and gets sort of a bit of grief from from the hound I kind of <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Beric because yeah. you know everybody else is like hugging and like having all these moments of camaraderie and the best that Beric gets is sort of a a fairly like polite shake of the hand from john earlier on like is a a really good guy but he's one of those really good guys who no one seems to like very much yeah that's that's actually true and i found that quite striking that if thoros was there of course he'd be hanging out with thoros yeah but thoros is dead and and there is this kind of there's there's something quite sad there tell you the question i had though matt are we sure that melisandre is at winterfell because surely He's hanging out with her, giving it the full-on Lord of Light, if you're really seriously there, and it's not just about tricks with flaming swords, now would be the time for you to crack a miracle or two out. <laughs> no, but she, she just she's, doesn't she's have a scene. Not. She's not. Oh, where is she? She, um, at the, oh, God, when was it? I think it was the sort of start of the last season, mm. uh, when Daenerys was on Dragonstone, or early in that season. Yeah. Um, she, went, she went back to wherever... She, she left and she said to Varys, I'm, I'm, I'm going, but I'm going to come back because I'm destined to die here like you are. But she's she's actually... Oh, God I remember knows that scene, moment. but she's somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, she's not a Winterfell. <sighs> going to turn up on a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that is a good, it's a good mystery, that. I've completely forgotten about her, but I'm sure she'll have a part to play later on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you say, Arya heads off, does a bit of archery practice... Then Gendry comes over with the new weapon that he's made for it, which is this sort of two-ended spear, which he seems quite happy with. It felt a little bit anticlimactic after the thing she gave him last week looked like it was going to be a grenade <laughs> made of dragonglass. And now after it's you predicted a spear, it was going to be a grenade. point on either end. Yeah, like that was a little. I was slightly disappointed by that. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it was going to be something that was that like, detachable. It looked like there yeah, was two it bits looked like to it, it was going to come off. And then did they just bottle it? Were they just like, oh, we can't design this? Just give her a spear with two spikes. 
fine. Or, or maybe just Gendry didn't understand it and she's looked at it and thought, ah, fair enough, it's close enough, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, she's like, now, this isn't what I asked for, but I am also quite looking to score here, so I probably can't be too harsh to him. Uh, yeah, love, great weapon making. Goodness, you're a good weapon making man. Anyway, <laughs> bed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this was a very much sort of girl in control sex scene. In yeah, that. very much. You, yeah, you know, yeah. which which was it's all the more sort of striking because of how rare it is in Game of Thrones. Because it's it really feels yeah. like flipping the um, like what you so often see in terms of the power dynamics in a in a sex scene yeah. in Game of Thrones. I tell you the other the other key thing here is that they didn't show her naked, and I'm sure that that is because she signed a contract to play this part when she was twelve, and so so obviously that won't have been you know covered or allowed for. Um, but um, uh, that felt to me quite significant in a kind of meta way, mm. um, you know, because they've just had so much. The only woman in this scene is a whore with her breasts out, mm. and and this felt like a scene in which they chose not to do that mm. and i found it quite surprising how quite moving i found it actually like mm. there's a, you know there's a female character who's respect worthy for something other than you know getting her tits out and mm. like and they've they've done a fair amount of saying the only reason for the women to be in the scene is for that so i i, I thought this was actually really really good um mm. for all that the thing between the characters i'm like great i'm happy for you you know um Still feels like there's a pretty spectacular age difference between them to me, but um, but whatever. Yeah, it's funny because I felt I felt a little uncomfortable watching it just because she's like I've she's kind of grown up in front of me. It's yeah. kind of how I'd imagine I would feel about a sister or a daughter and knowing that they're yeah. having now having sex. It's like yeah, there was something like, about it that made me just feel yeah. uncomfortable, even though it's uh, like do you know that yeah. is an excellent call. Yeah, yeah, like the the fact that they had sex was was sort of you know fine. You're going to be doing that great, but like, but because because it was Arya, it is quite unsettling actually, because mm. um, you remember her being a sort of you know like I say you know brilliant at archery in that first scene at Winterfell. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. part of it, isn't it? How they, they sort of that's what happens just before, just so you remember. It kind of triggers that oh, memory. Oh God, yeah. yeah! I had. I mean, when I said that, I didn't even think of that. But you're absolutely right. Hmm. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Back to the fire, uh, and back with who is it? Tyrion, Davos, Paul, Jamie, Tormund, and Brienne. Is that everybody? That's the thing. That's all of them. Think so. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, de- that is definitely a bunch of people drinking. Where if you walk past the door, you're like, room for a small one. Like you, because that would be a good party to be gathered around a fire with, wouldn't it? Yeah, Tyrion's doing a bit of sort of a look how far we've come thing. It's interesting. He points out at one time or another, all of these people have been on the opposing side to the Starks, um, which is quite quite an interesting thing to point out. And he also says we might all die, but you know, we might all survive. We've we've all been through a lot of stuff and survived it so far. So yeah. Don't write us off yet. Almost yeah. to the audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah stay with us on this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, again, like I do like the the fact that it kind of drove home that point about we've been seeing legends happen in front of our eyes. Then uh, they, they they move on to this talk about knighthood and Brienne 
how she's not actually a sir because she's she's never been allowed to become a knight and yeah. Tormund think that's think that's daft. She tries to yeah. sort of style it out and say, Oh, I never wanted to be one anyway. And there's this sort of little yeah. look from Pod like, Come on. <laughs> <You don't> <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've been your squire, I know perfectly well that you wish you were a real knight. Yeah. Um Yeah. 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 And then Jamie gets up and does the whole a knight can knight anyone. Yeah. Get over here, let's do it now. And this is but- this is this is an amazing scene, isn't it? And, and it's, it's such a brilliant. such such a fantastic way to explore this sort of very complex relationship that these two characters have. And it says yeah. so much about each of the characters on their own as well. It says so much about Jamie, the way that he does this. And it says yeah. so much about Brienne, about how much it means to her as well. Yeah, and like I say, she's been grimacing through the rest of the episode in this sort of tension of what's going to happen. And, and perhaps also under the weight of... I'm about to do this kind of epoch-defining thing and I am not a knight and I won't be sung of as Sir such and such. Mm. And um, and then it happens and it's Jamie that does it and she just can't stop. She's got this, like, joy-filled grin on her. There's not, a, there's not an appropriate word for the sheer kind of over-bubbling joy that she's clearly feeling in, in this experience. And I just thought this is a great piece of man-management, up-management from, from Jamie, since he said he'd be honoured to fight under her, of basically going, right, what's going to put this woman, who's already an absolute badass, in a mindset to fight for a week? <laughs> Tell you what, it's knighting her will do the job, and it absolutely will. Like, this is, this is how it's going off now. Like, Brienne's going to be unstoppable, I think. Yeah. Jamie, on the other hand, is dead. This is the completion of his arc. This is the moment where I see that bar just drain down to zero. And it's like, yeah, no, this is no more, no more after this. I think it really does. One of the things about this episode is how it shows how when people are really up against it, just sort of how sometimes that brings out the best in them and also sort of brings out the best in that sense of camaraderie as well. Um, You sort of, I think a lot of these characters, Jamie's one of them, really are sort of shown at the best when they're just preparing for the worst as as yeah. is happening here very much and I t- i'll tell you the thing is is that this is this is the sort of functional respectful relationship that game of thrones spends the rest of the time telling us is naive and gets you killed the rest of mm. the time and this is the nice episode ironically of game of thrones where there's a sense of completion to things and people act in accordance with their the better angels of their nature and the rest of it Mm. um and there's only one and this is it and um but it was really great to be around actually and i think that's really really cool Mm. um and i was the um something i was thinking when we were talking about um uh you know everybody's fought the starks um, and yet everybody's here. Like the complexity of that is is about the politics in the room. You know the fact that politics has brought them all to this point where now they're all facing in the same direction. And they all have to get along, and that's politics. Um, but actually, also it's the it's the genius of putting together. I was, I was like really thinking this as we approach this moment that I've been waiting for for so many so many episodes and so many books, where you engage the dead. It's exciting because it presents even the most venal schema with a choice, which is work with your enemy or die. Like, you either have to be selfish or um, 
or alive. Like you can't, you know, you don't get to choose. And so there's this, there's this kind of, there's, I, I found that really like the, I, what the, the army of the dead represents is what do people care more about staying human or winning against each other. And um, and I just thought it was really, really, really powerful having all of these people sitting around having this moment, realizing that whatever else they have been in the past to each other, including sworn enemies, now they face in the same direction because they all want to stay alive. Mm. Uh, it's quite an interesting little reflection on war and you know the 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 knight the knight knights king as a representation of weaponry and violence and so on and you know you've got to choose peace or choose death those are your choices type thing mm. um for, like, it just really all came down to me here so there's a lot of thematic tying together as well which i thought was just brilliant yeah and can we just take a moment to um to appreciate the wide-eyed complete sort of devotion clap of torment who's just sort of i've never seen anyone so sort oh. of Worship he nails it. <laughs> Does he like, not? He's yeah. just so impressed. Greatest and the thing is, uh, yeah, but it's a it's a journey for him as well because previously, you know, knighthood and organization and structures of control and power and all of that and wildlings laughed at the people of the South for doing this. But now mm. he gets it. He gets the power of this story. And and you're right, he's just so grabbed by the kind of nobility of it in a sense, or the way in which it honours the nobility of this woman that he plainly worships. Mm. Um, it is a great moment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we just go outside for another nice little little touch where Sajora and uh, Lady Mormont are sort of having a little conversation. This was quite a nice touch because I didn't know yeah. if these two were going were gonna to sort of join these dots, but we do, where yeah. he's, he's once again saying, it'll be safer down in the crypts. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like of all the of all the children you're trying to pull that on, Lyanna Mormont is the one that's not having it. Yeah. Um so she's she says, Yeah, no, thanks anyway, but I'm, I'm staying <laughs> Laters. Yeah. She says I wish yeah. you good fortune. I wish you'd done yeah. the whole thing in the wars to come. I like that. I like, I like that phrase. Yeah. Um yeah. and then we have this little moment with Sam where he gives yeah. Sajora um the heart's bane, which is his the yeah. ancestral sword of, of Sam's dad. And this this is was that moment where I saw Sajora's um like survivability just tick up a bit, always got a decent sword. And then yeah. I think Sam says, I'll see you when it's over. And I just <laughs> like, Sajora's had yeah, basically had a stock market crash on his own. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that as well. I thought this was very very beautiful and very moving and very good and you know, all of that sort of thing. And uh, but yeah, no, he's fucked. He's not he's not surviving this. You can say that about so many. You can confidently say that about so many characters, and I, I'd expect some of them will actually, against the odds, make it through. You know, maybe, I, well, maybe that's what they're pulling that. here. Maybe they're pulling a reverse Game of Thrones, having built their entire brand around "I want these people to survive," but they probably won't. Like now, they're making it. I fully accepted that almost all of them are going to die, and so when some of them survive, I'll be like, "Wow." <laughs> wow, that was a shock. You know, the reverse Red Wedding, where it's not like, I can't believe you killed that many people. It's, I can't believe you left that many people alive. Well, I, de- I definitely had that um, in the last season, when the sort of Suicide Squad went north. And and I thought, yeah, two, three of those are coming back. We're going to have a mass culling of 
much yeah. loved characters. And it didn't happen. We, we, no, basically, a lot sure. of red shirts came out of nowhere and took this hit for them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't the deftest storytelling, but everybody I cared about survived. So, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul went out for Thoros. But apart from that, um, next up, uh, oh, and the dragon. Uh, next up, we're back in that, that room with the fire. Pod, who knew? Nice singing voice. Yeah, cracks it out, doesn't he? Although, I will admit that this scene, while very moving, was somewhat undercut for me when I realised halfway through it that they're doing a Billy Boyd is about to fight the battle at the end of Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King. Oh, yeah, Um, he did the same thing, didn't he? It's the same thing, isn't it? The montage set to one person singing as they reach a moment of maturity and face the fact that they're going to be in a battle and it's going to be awful. Um Mm. Like, it's the same thing. And the problem is that that scene in Lord of the Rings ends with Billy Boyd still alive. And this scene in in uh, in Game of Thrones, it really does... It, it's, the, it's the most serious blow yet to the pod for the Iron Throne theory. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, his odds just sort of ticked down as he started to yeah, sing this. Yeah, it, like, oh. it is. I'm very moved by this. That means he is absolute toast with jam. <laughs> Um, yeah, this montage, you've got Theon and Sansa standing together. You've got, um, who is it? A Grey Worm and Missendi. Arya and, uh, <laughs> in the notes of but Arya and Glenn. I'm pretty sure I mean that's Gendry. Gendry <laughs> Glenn! A second scene <laughs> cut out where she also meets a stable boy called Glenn and thinks, oh, I'm dying tomorrow anyway. <laughs> the, the other bastard. Go the on. other bastard. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and then also Sejora, sort of outside the walls on horseback. I thought that was just such an epic sort of um, just moment of Sejora. Just like looks over to the, like stares out to the forest and then carries on. Um, that was sort of the moment that really sort of stood out, I thought, of that bit. And then yeah, yeah. into the crypt with John and Daenerys. Um, so... uh, and and none, none of these children to be seen anywhere, by the way. A lot of people have been told over the last 45 minutes that the crypt is the place to go to and the battle is about to start. And they are nowhere to be seen as these two have a lover's tiff. Are they around the corner? Is there a different crypt? Crypt part two reserved for the non-royals. What is no, this? No, I think there's a there's a sort of a, a velvet rope over it at the moment. And it's saying temporarily <laughs> closed. She's got a massive bouncer in front of it going, your name's not down, you're not coming in. Yeah. Everyone's like, it sounds like you will be allowed down, but the VIPs are in there at the moment. A, so just they're having a moment, all right? Yeah. No, don't try and overhear it. I know it's a very echoey chamber, probably the worst place to have a secret conversation with significant dynastic implications, but just try not to listen to it, all right? It's their business. It's private. Yeah. Wait, he's a what? Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so John's having a look at the statue of what turns out to be his mum, Lyanna. Uh, Daenerys comes in and says, "Hey, checking out. Yeah, this is this just doesn't add up to me because I heard my brother was a stand-up guy, and turns out he, you know, kidnapped and raped your aunt. Sorry about yeah. that. And he yeah. drops some knowledge on her. Um, it's and- like since you mention it at this pivotal moment." I saw this as a WhatsApp message um, on online where John says, turns out I'm uh, Aegon Targaryen uh, and the heir to the Iron Throne and then just 
Daenerys has left the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's the it's the dot dot dot. Somebody is typing a message thing, and then it goes away, and then they're typing again, and it goes away, and then they're typing again, and it goes away, and they're typing again, and it goes away, and then they leave the conversation. <laughs> sort of like, oh, that did not go over well. Oh, okay. yeah. Two things about this that I that struck me. One is the way that John says it isn't isn't the way that someone who is desperate to make the other person comfortable that this isn't going to change anything. It's, it's yeah. not like John says, right, I've got some knowledge. Before I tell you, this doesn't change anything. You're I still know. the queen. Once he, again... He just he, lays it he, out. He just says... Yeah, he just this says, this is the right thing to do, and he doesn't think about the consequences, you know, at all. Um and he doesn't. And yeah, my wife was sitting on the sofa yelling at the screen. Tell her that it's all right. Tell her that you're not going to fight her. Tell her that you're going to... For God's sake, tell her! Like, this is great frustration, but it's like, you know, it's it's Jon Snow. He's not going to do that. He's well, going to tell her the facts and then leave it. Yeah, and maybe it's because it isn't all right. You know, you, the character yeah. that Jon is, you know, what what is is and what's right. So he's kind of like Stannis in that sense. You know, True, the, the, although... The, sorry. Yeah, well, I was going to say, even when it came down, to, I, I know he's always about the most important thing is saving everybody from the dead. But yeah. when it came to Cersei and get her on board and save everybody, then worry about politics later, he couldn't tell a lie. He could. He he said, "No, it is what it is. I'm sworn to Daenerys." Yeah. And if he thinks with the same thing here, it is what it is. I'm supposed I'm to be the king. Then, well, is he going to give it up? Well, that's an interesting question because he's only, we've only seen him break an oath. Uh, not true because he slept with Ygritte. Um So there's that for love, which I think is significant. And um, he walked away from his, his sworn whatever as a brother of the Night's Watch when he died. So he found a loophole for that one. Um, but it's an interesting one whether kingship or... Um, or his word mean more to him. And mm. I actually think, because he was raised as a bastard, the whole idea of status is never something he's invested himself in. But then maybe this is the reason, you know, like this is his status as a bastard has defined his entire life. And now he's not only is he not a bastard, turns out, having spent seven series learning to be a really great leader, he's actually the person with the right to rule the place. So, yeah, maybe that's the thing. He's being pulled one direction by his experience and another direction by his principles and that he's sworn an oath. Like, because mm. I don't think he can bring himself to break an oath, you know? Yeah, I think he, I think he, um, he plays, he sort of sets this out in the fairest way in that he he just does it says it neutrally and says what we're going to, and basically leaves it open to say what we're going to do. He says, this is how it is. He doesn't come from a position of saying, I'm king, here's why. And he doesn't mm. come from the opposite position saying, um, something's happened, but I want you to still be the queen, but here's the issue. He just says, yeah. this is what's happened, let's work out what to do. And I think yeah. it's very it's very sort of telling Daenerys' reaction is very different. Her reaction is, I'm queen, sod you, whatever. And yeah. there doesn't there doesn't seem to be... This this whole stuff about I love John and how she feels about him, that disappears straight away yeah. as soon as, as yeah. soon as this pops up. And her first thought is 
well, hang on a minute, this this, this is a threat. This is going to have political queen. implications. Yeah. yeah. Well, because she's she's damn near died so many times to make this happen, and has mm. been given it as a in a in a sense a central bit of her trauma is the fact that she's been told, you know, her only reason for being alive is to become queen of the Seven Kingdoms. So it again, actually, the thing what's going on here is that they're not bringing their best selves to the table. They're bringing the fact that their whole lives have been defined by particular abusive trauma mm. and you know they they don't have the resources to make peace with each other because they're both talking out of that place and that's first of all incredibly well observed certainly for a plot that is ballsy enough to hinge around the idea of two people being in love having sex and being uncle uh, aunt and nephew at the same time um uh but he's also really well observed in terms of just that bringing them to this point where they're operating out of their weaknesses. Really fascinating. I think it's an interesting reflection of the sort of, it's a similar thing to what happened with Sansa and Daenerys before in terms of who claims what. Because I, I yeah. think if, when John says this, this is how it is. Um, if Daenerys says, oh man, right, okay, what are we going to do? John probably can quite, quite easily says then, you know what, you've worked for this for ages, I'm happy as we are, let's just work out some arrangement where you're still the queen but because yeah. she as soon as she hears it says well i'm going to be queen anyway there's yeah. i think that guaranteed that the way that john's character is that's guaranteed to make him dig his heels in and say i'm yeah. got a minute we don't that's not that's not right you don't just take it there's yeah. there's there's there needs to be there needs to be a different kind of relationship and i think that's why this is going to be a real problem mm. yeah yeah yeah, I think you're right, actually, and I think that is, yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's, I mean, obviously it's all set up. I do sort of wonder whether any of this is going to be addressed next episode. I assume not, because I assume it's going to be another Battle of the Bastards style um, <laughs> thing, but yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Mm, problems. Pro problems. Well, that, the, the, the one thing I will say in, in Daenerys' defence is I can understand why she questions this, because... Since arriving at Winterfell, everything has been about the Northerners don't like you. The Northerners want to be independent. Um, yeah. You know, Sansa doesn't like you. She's still banging on about independence. And then, oh, look, uh, the one of the Starks and Jon's best mate have suddenly found some reason why actually you're not queen after all. You can see yeah. why. You, you may think, oh, oh, really? How convenient. Yeah. Yeah, so. like, yeah. And, and it just, as I say, I think it, I just see that sort of flip a switch in her of you can't take this away from me. Like, no amount of... I've already given up the possibility of love once in order to do this. Hmm. You know, I've already walked away from any amount of politically expedient whatevers. And in order to make this thing happen, this specifically this, happen... Um, and I'm not giving it up for you either. Is mm. a you know it's a hard thing not to sympathise with. I think. Mm. As you say, they're interrupted by these three blows of horns from the wall. Um, the White Walkers are here. Lads on tour. They've turned up. Um, we we see Tyrion standing on the wall, looking out, and then the sort of one of the undead horses, and then you see this line of White Walkers. Yeah, um, come out and lads, sort of... lads on tour indeed. Bloody <laughs> yeah. 
back back together again after two thousand years or whatever. Yeah, ready for it. And that is just this is where it's all set up for the Battle of Winterfell next Ooh. week. And as we say, it's probably going to mean it's a much tougher watch than this week was. Yeah, yeah, P- people are going to die. But as I say, I'm now in a place where I'm like, if any of them survive, I'll be like, oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, that's the recap of this week. Uh, as we say, if you want to um, get in your own predictions before the end of the season um, to go alongside our own, uh, which already look at, in some cases a little shaky, I'll be honest, um, then send them to <laughs> shortlyforallpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll be back next week uh, to, you know, I assume provide a bit of therapy, get everyone through it, and uh, just work out just what happened and, and where we go from here after yeah. the battle. If we go anywhere, maybe it's all over after Winterfell, and then we've just got three episodes of the making of, and that's how it's going. <laughs> I was going to say that it's just a blank screen for three episodes, and a, <laughs> an astonishing coup de théâtre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe when the Night's King, the Night's King kills Bran, and yeah. then. All the like DVDs and like film of of it in the past, all the copies of Game of Thrones, all the previous series, just corrupt. There's some kind of thing in it, and that's it. It's, <laughs> it's just that's it. Game over. <laughs> ha! Lol. Spent more money than you thought on that ghost cameo. That was it. That was no no money left for the rest of the season. Yeah, and you can never watch any of it again. It's all just corrupted. Done. Done. Hopefully that won't happen. See that that's the bar we're setting. That's sort of, sort of <laughs> hope slow. Series hope ends. Slow. Series ends, and all previous episodes self destruct. If that doesn't happen next week, then you know it's a good thing. It's a good episode, and it's cheery, and that's the line we're sticking to. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Fuck it. See, see you next week for more cheery news and for, for a, a really fun episode. Excellent. Wonderful. You have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Terrific.